28, James chapter 5. Now, over the past few months, we have actually been doing our study through the book of James, and today I am going to close out that um, study of the book of James, and we've got two verses left in chapter 5, and we'll be done with James, uh, the book of James, but I'm going to do that in conjunction with Matthew chapter 28. And so I'm going to do the first part of my message in Matthew chapter 28, and then I'll close the message in James 5. And um, I, I wanted to plan this message because it's a new year, and I wanted to talk about the fact that we still have a mission to accomplish. And I think that is even more prevalent in the times that we're living. You know, um, with COVID, with a lot of uncertainties, with a, just a lot of just stress in our lives, and, and, you know, life is just different. And, but the reality is um, there's still a mission that has got to be accomplished, okay? Even though we have, even though we have it just seems like cases surging with COVID, and COVID seems to be out of control again, and there's a lot of uncertainty there. Here's what we still need to understand, that as a church, as individuals, we still have to be mission-minded, and that's the title of my message today, Mission Minded, that, that through the hard things, we still have a mission. And we're going to look at that from Matthew chapter 28. And I, I think it's great when Jesus gave the, the mission, his commission to the disciples, um, they were walking into a rough world, okay? It's not like he gave them this, this, this commission and gave them their mission and life was going to be sweet, okay? They were still living under the oppression of the Roman Empire, and they were going to understand persecution big time, okay? So I think it's really interesting that Jesus gives these men a mission under very unfavorable circumstances, and I'm preaching a, this, this message about a mission under very unfavorable circumstances, just to let us understand and know that these men had a mission in their day under rough times. And guess what? We still have a mission in our day under rough times. And so today I want to look at what it means to be mission-minded. And so here's the first thing. I would encourage you to be taking some notes, have an outline, have a notebook, whatever you want. Those of you at home, I'm praying that you're taking notes also. But here's what it means to be mission-minded. Here's the first thing. Being mission-minded means we want to see people become disciples. Being mission-minded means we want to see people become disciples. So in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. They're eleven because Judas Iscariot um, is, his, is now dead. So twelve minus one equals eleven. I know that's tough math right there, right? Okay? We've got 11 disciples. And they're in this place called Galilee, and they go to a mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, so this is now after Jesus' resurrection, all right? Um, he is getting ready to ascend up into heaven. Uh, Acts chapter 1 is probably correlated with this also. He's ready to ascend into heaven. This is about the time they're going to see Jesus go up into heaven. And he's got one more word for them. He's got one more thing he needs to tell them. And he says to them in verse 18, 
All authority in heaven and earth has, on earth has been given to me. In verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the first step. He's like, I'm getting ready to leave, boys. I'm passing the baton to you. You've seen what we've done over the past few years. Now, here's my commission to you. Here's the mission that you need to have. Go and make disciples. Make disciples. The word disciple simply means to someone who is a learner. It means to be a follower of someone else. So Jesus is talking to his 11 disciples, 11 men who followed him, all right? Now he's looking at them saying, here's what I want you to do. You're disciples. You are followers of me. Now I want you to go make more followers. But how are they to do that? All right? What, what does that mean? How do we go make more disciples? How do we make more followers? Well, in the book of Mark, chapter 16, Jesus gives the answer to them. He says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. Meaning, I want you to discuss this thing. I want you to tell it. I want you to speak it. I want you to say it. And he's like, I want you to speak about the gospel. Well, the word gospel just simply means good news. But the question is, is good news about what? About Jesus. The good news is this, is that, hey, do you understand that you're a sinner? And because you are a sinner, your sin will separate you from God for all eternity. But the good news is, is that Jesus came, he died on a cross, he took the sin of humanity upon himself, and through faith in Christ, guess what? Sin is forgiven. And now we have an eternal hope. Now we're not going to be separated from God. Now we have this relationship with God through Christ. That's the good news. And he says, I want you to go tell more people that message. In the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Witnesses to what? The truth of Christ. He's a, it's, it's to be a witness to the gospel, to a witness of like, this is what Jesus has done to me. This is what, how he's impacted my life. And now I want to I declare that. I want to talk about that. I want to tell people that. And he's telling these 11 disciples, here's what you did, are to do. Go and tell people. He's telling them, I want you to be a witness. So here's what you and I are to do. If we want to see people become disciples, here's the first thing there. Um, write this down on your outlines. We, are, we make disciples by witnessing for Christ. We make disciples by being witnesses for Christ. All right? So here's how it works, folks. Um, you've got to say something. If you are a disciple today, if you consider yourself a follower of Christ. Remember, I said a disciple just means a learner, someone who is following someone, okay? So these 11 men, that one time, they were fishermen, all right? They were living for self. They were living for whatever they were living for, okay? And then one day, Jesus says, come follow me. And what did they begin to do? Follow him. They begin to look like him, act like him, talk like him. They were followers of Christ, 
So guess what? When you and I come to that place where you have accepted Christ as your Savior, if you're sitting here today or you're listening to me online and you say, I am a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, then guess what? What Jesus said to his 11, he's saying to us today, I want you, as a follower of Christ, to be a witness. I want you to proclaim, to tell, to talk, to say something about the gospel. So you and I, in order for us as a church, in order for you as an individual, in order for you to fulfill this mission, you have to make a disciple. So in order for you to make a disciple, guess what you have to be? A witness. You have to say something. So that means when an opportunity arises, I'm at work. I'm with a family member with a friend, whoever I'm with, and God opens a, an opportunity and a conversation begins, guess what I do? I step through the door and I take advantage of that opportunity and I become a witness for Christ. I share my faith with someone. I tell someone. I talk to someone about the gospel. I begin a spiritual conversation with them. I ask them questions. I talk to them. I want to find out, hey, what do you know about Jesus? Are you a believer in Christ? How many of you know that's, that's, that's hard, though, isn't it? But we got to do it. I haven't always been a pastor. I worked, I worked in, as a civilian at one time. <laughs> that's weird to say. It's like I'm in the military still. <laughs> I was a civilian. <laughs> that's weird. I worked in secular jobs. And when God gave me opportunities, I talked to people, I shared with people. And so guess what? When you're at your job, when you're with a family member, and you know these people, you are to be a witness. You are to share the gospel with people. And so when we share the gospel, we look for opportunities to say something, to share my faith, to share my testimony. Look for Invite someone to church. Invite someone to tune in online. Look for opportunities. Next week, I'm going to be starting a study in the book of John. And I'm telling you, the book of John is going to be so good. Maybe you have a family member, a friend, a co-worker, and, and you're like, hey, I would love to ask you to church. Hey, tune in online because you got to believe that the book of John is going to preach the gospel. And you got to believe that people are going to hear the truth of who Christ is. Invite people to hear the word preached. But take advantage of opportunities. We are to be witnesses for Christ as a disciple of Christ. But then look at what Jesus says. Now he shows us how you know you're making these disciples. So he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So once a person makes a decision to accept Christ, they, they hear the gospel. They hear the truth of who Christ is. They, 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 they realize, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And when someone comes to that place of realizing their, their position with God as a sinner, and ah, I don't want to be eternally separated from God. I don't want to go to hell. And they come to that place where they acknowledge their sin. They repent of their sin. They forget, ask for forgiveness of a sin. And they say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. In that moment, guess what happens? They become a disciple. And now, guess what they're to do? Be baptized. That's how you know someone's been a, 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 become a believer. They get baptized. You see, just like circumcision was to the, the Old Testament Jewish people, 
Circumcision was an outward sign of to say to people, which is really weird. You know, it, it was an outward sign to say to people, I am a, a, a part of the people of God. I always wondered, how is that, how, how is that possible? Because not, not a lot of people are seeing that, okay? You would think that God would have, like, you know, done something up here on the face. But it was an outward sign to say, I, am, I, I belong to God. That's what baptism is. Baptism is that outward sign of someone who was not a believer in Christ, who was not a disciple of Christ. Now they become a believer, they become a disciple, and the first thing they do to show that is through baptism. And they are making that public declaration to say, I have become a follower of Jesus Christ. Some of you, you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you listening. And you have not been baptized yet. Why not? Well, I just, I just need to kind of work into that. You don't see that. He says, go make them and baptize them immediately. Because it was, it's a way to say, I am a follower of Christ. So guess what we're going to do on Easter Sunday? We're going to have a baptism. And I want to believe that some of you who are listening to me right now, you're going to obey what Jesus says. You believe, you, you, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I haven't been baptized. So plan yourself on Easter Sunday, you're going to be baptized because you're going to obey what Jesus says. And I also want to believe that on Easter Sunday, guess what? From here till now, you're going to be witnesses for Christ. And you're going to be looking for opportunities to invite someone to an Easter service. More people will come to an Easter service or a Christmas service than any other time. Take advantage of that time. And I want to believe that we're going to preach the gospel that day and that we would have people respond to that message. And we could see people that day come to know Christ and guess what? Get baptized. See, that's what we're going to do. And so Jesus says, look, go make these disciples. Baptize these disciples. You see, this is why we here at Harvest, um, we baptize after belief, not vice versa. Because you have to believe in Christ before you get baptized. You don't get baptized before you believe. And so Jesus says, once you see people believing in me, converting, becoming a disciple, becoming a follower, get them baptized. Now, here's why you and I need to see that being a witness is important. Because maybe, you know, I mean, we hear this. Yeah, I know. I got to be a witness. I got to share my faith. But, you know... Do I really need to do that? I mean, why, why is that so important? Well, here's why being a witness is so important, and I believe it's vitally important for Americans. Seven out of ten Americans say they are Christians. Okay? That used to be eight out of ten. Now it's fallen to about seven out of ten. Still a pretty good, pretty good percentage, but seven out of ten people. So if you were to talk to ten people, Seven of them would declare, I'm a Christian. But here's the thing. I would be willing to bet half of those seven would say, I'm a Christian because that's just what I am. You see, as, a, as, as, as America, we say America is what? A Christian nation. And what we say that based on is that the founding fathers founded this nation upon Christian principles, upon the word of God. That we, we, we laid that foundation. So from that time, we, have, we make the declaration, this is a Christian nation. 
So, so what happens is you have people that if you were to take people and you gave them a piece of paper and it listed Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age, Wicca, Christianity, atheism, which one are you? People in America would go and go, seven out of ten people. Not everybody in America, seven out of ten would go, I'm not Buddhist, I'm not Hindu, I'm not New Age, I'm not Wicca. I'm not an atheist because I do believe in God. I'm Christian. And they would circle that. I'm Christian. And it simply is nothing more than a label. Okay? Now, you have people who would go through that list and go, well, I know I'm a Christian because I'm, I'm not an atheist. I believe in God. I've always believed in God. I mean, I grew up in a, my mom and dad were Christians, and I grew up in with a Christian heritage, and so I was taught to always believe in God. So my, my parents were Christians, my grandparents were Christians, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Here's the problem with this. This is why you and I need to be a witness. If you have um, a young person in their, their, let's say 25, okay, you have this young adult, 25 years old. And they start to talk to you about their family, and they go, you know, I got, I got a sister who's a Marine. My dad was a Marine. I had an uncle who was a Marine. My grandfather was a Marine. I, had, I have some great-grandfathers who were Marines in World War II. Um, so because I've got so many people in the Marines, I'm a Marine. You would have a Marine look at that person and go, you are not a Marine. <laughs> Just because your grandfather was a Marine, your dad was a Marine, you got a sister who is a Marine, you are not a Marine. When do they become a Marine? When they go through boot camp. Then they become a Marine. They are not a Marine just because they have a lot of family members. Okay? Our daughter did not become a sailor because I was a sailor, Richard was a sailor, my dad was a sailor, she had great uncle. No, she became a sailor when she signed on the dotted line and she went to boot camp and she became a sailor. Okay? Guess what? Just because I have a label of Christian doesn't make me a Christian. I have to become a Christian. And that's what that word make means. When Jesus says go and make disciples, that word make means to construct to become, okay? He, he's like, you got to make these things. You've got to construct someone. You've got you to, they got to become a believer. And so when you have people just saying, I am a Christian, just because it's a label, they haven't become one. So when you are a witness, when you are talking to someone about Christ, guess what? You'll find out where they really are. Because if you start having a serious spiritual conversation with someone and you ask them this question, hey, when did you, uh, tell me your conversion story. And they look at you like a, a, a cow staring at a new gate. They have no idea what you're talking about because they have not had a conversion. They have not become, they have not been made into a disciple yet. They're not a follower. All they have is a belief. All they have is this like idea. They have maybe a mental ascension. They have some facts about God, but they do not know God. And it's not until a person, again, comes to that place where they acknowledge the fact, I'm a sinner. I need a savior, and Jesus Christ is the one who died on that cross for my sin, and I will accept him. And it's not until that person comes to accept Christ as their savior personally. They receive him into their life. They just, like, I give my life to Christ. That is the moment that they have become a disciple. 
See, this is another misconception in the church is that discipleship or, or becoming a disciple is a process. It's like we say that, um, that, that discipleship is, it, it takes time. And, and we, we, you know, um, I become a disciple progressively. No, you don't. You become a disciple the moment you make Jesus your Savior. Because Jesus says, go make. Okay? Um, when you make a cake, it doesn't take you a week. You put it together and make it, and it's done. Same with being a disciple. Being a disciple is not something I do progressively. It's not like I go through a class for six months, and at the end of that class, oh, I'm a disciple. No. The moment you profess Christ as your Savior, you become a disciple. And here's the thing. You see this in the book of Acts. Because as in, in Acts chapter 6, it says that the word of God spread. And the more that it spread, it said that the number of disciples increased rapidly. Okay? The number of disciples increased, meaning more people were being converted. More people were coming to that fact and that truth of who Christ is. In Acts chapter 14, it says that the apostle Paul went to this town called Derby, And it says, after he preached the gospel and made many disciples, he left. Meaning he preached the gospel. People heard the truth responded to the truth, and then said yes to the truth. And the moment they said yes, and they accepted Christ, boom, become a disciple. Instantaneously. That is what Jesus is telling us to do. Go make disciples. See people converted. See people go from not knowing him to knowing him. See people not following Christ to following Christ. See people who don't believe in him to become believers in him. That is making disciples, and we do that by being a witness for Christ. So, being mission-minded mission means we want to see people become disciples. But here's the second thing. Being mission-minded means we want to see people be disciples. <laughs> We want to see people become them, but we also want to see people be disciples. A big distinction there isn't there. There's a big distinction between becoming and being, okay? And this is what Jesus says. So he says, go and make disciples, but look at verse 20. After you make these disciples, after people become followers, after they become believers in Christ, look at what he says. Now... Start to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teach them to observe. Some of you may have a version that says teach them to obey. What he's saying is, okay, you've made these disciples. Now it's got to be more about going from just becoming a disciple to being a disciple. From just becoming a Christian to being a Christian. So he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to teach them to um, observe, to follow, to obey, uh, to do all that I have commanded. Everything that I have said. That is what a disciple is. It goes from, hey, I, I've made a decision to, now I'm doing this thing. Okay? You see, again, it goes back to this idea of discipleship. 
You see, we, we, we think that discipleship is a process. Like, like, discipleship is more than just attending a class. Being a disciple is I don't just attend a, a discipleship class. Because attending a discipleship class means um, I, I, I attend a six-week, eight-week class, and when I'm done, now I'm a disciple. No. Atten being a disciple is more than um, discipleship being a ministry in the church. There's a lot of churches that will say we have a discipleship ministry, simply meaning, again, we have a class for people to attend to learn more about the Bible. And then when they complete the class, they're a disciple. No. Discipleship is more than the paid staff doing things. Discipleship, to the core of its being, is what Jesus says. Observe or do all that I say. Here's what discipleship is. You doing what the Bible says. That's discipleship. Okay? That's being a disciple. That's being what Jesus told us to make. We make disciples, and once we make them, now we teach them, now do what God says. So guess what I am doing to you? I am discipling you right now. Because I'm teaching you what Jesus has said. I'm teaching you what the Bible says. All right? And so discipling, discipleship, being a disciple is doing and living out God's word. So just as we make disciples and we're witnesses for Christ, here's what it means to be a disciple. And write this down. Being a disciple means walking with Christ. So we witness for Christ, but now as a disciple, being a disciple, I walk with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this to the church. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. Now, there's two words in that verse that I want you to... Did I not... Did that verse not... Do you not have that verse? I thought maybe I sent that. I guess not. So he says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. Two words in there that we need to highlight. Walk and calling. The word calling actually means that, um, let me get it right. The word calling means called to a particular relation. So when Paul says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received, he's talking about a relationship that you've received. So when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what he's referring to is that God has called you. He's called you into a relationship with him through Christ. So when you know Jesus as your Savior, you have this relationship with God now. Before Jesus as your Savior, you had no relationship with God. But Jesus as your Savior, you're brought into a relationship with God. So now you have this calling, this relationship with God. And Paul says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of that calling, of that relationship. Because you have this relationship with God through Christ... Walk in a manner worthy of it. That word walk means my everyday life. How do I live in my everyday life? How do I behave? How do I act? And so Paul says, I want you to walk, to live, to behave, to act in a manner worthy of the calling of the relationship you have with God because of Christ. Okay? 
So guess what being a disciple is? Being a disciple is I'm walking with Christ. I live for Christ. I behave and I act in a way that honors my relationship with Christ. Are you going to do that perfectly? Absolutely not. But do we strive for it every day? Being a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ means, guess what? I want to live for Christ. I want to walk with Christ. I want to act like Christ. I want to be like Christ. And so guess, the, guess how we, you and I do that? By doing what God says. So when Jesus says, I want you, after you make these disciples, teach them to observe, to obey all that I've commanded, all that I have said. And can I tell you, it's not just what Jesus says in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the entire word of God. Because as we're going to see next Sunday, the word was Jesus. Okay? So when you read the word of God, it is the word of Christ. And so here's the thing. Like I said, I'm teaching you now. I'm discipling you now. But guess what? You have got to personally discipleship yourself too. So guess what? If we are to do and to live according to the word of God, guess what I've got to do then? I've got to know what the word of God says. Because how can I know what to do and what not to do if I don't know what Jesus has told me to do? Okay? Aren't you glad that God has given us his word? Because you and I aren't sitting there scratching our head going, well, I'm not quite sure what God wants from me. How do I really know what I'm supposed to do and not to do? Well, I'm going to try this, and hopefully he won't strike me dead. No, he's given us a standard to live by. He's given us his blueprint. So guess what you and I got to do? You've got to study the word of God. You've got to read the word of God. This is why maybe attending the Sunday school class on Sunday morning is a great thing. So you can learn more about the word of God. It's, it's, it's coming to church and make sure you're hearing the word preached. That way you're getting it in. You're hearing the word. You're learning the word. You're, 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 you're like, okay, I get it. I see what God wants me to do. I see what I'm supposed to do. I see what I'm not supposed to do. And as you start to see the word of God and you start to learn it, you're hearing it, you're, you're reading it, you're studying it, guess what? You're being a disciple because you are starting to know what the word of God says. And so we are to be a disciple. And one of the ways I am to be a disciple is to walk with Christ, to live, to act, to behave like Christ. But there's two more things about being a disciple. Here's the second thing about being a disciple. Being a disciple means working for Christ. So we make, we make disciples by witnessing for Christ. We are to be a disciple by walking with Christ. But we also are to be a disciple by working for Christ. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says each one, not some, not 80%, no, each one should use whatever gift he has that he has received to serve others. Use whatever gift you have to serve others. Galatians 5.13 says, through love, serve one another. Romans 12.11 says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. We are to serve. We are to do ministry. And, and, and so here, here is the truth. There is no such thing as an unserving follower of Christ. 
There's no such thing as an unserving disciple. Being a disciple means because I'm a disciple, because I have this relationship with Christ, from that should automatically flow serving, being in ministry. So my question is, is what ministry are you serving in? Where are you serving the Lord in? How are you serving other people? Showing up on Sunday, enjoying the message, and then just going home and never serving? You're not getting it. You're not being a disciple. Being a disciple is, hey, I know my gifts. I know my talents. I know my skills. I know what God has given me. I know where I should be. Listen, if you have gifts and talents with kids, you should be serving with children. If you've got an extrovert personality and you love meeting people, you should be at that front door. If you have technical, like, like, man, I love doing this kind of stuff. I love, you know, you should be up there. Find where you should be serving and serve. You can, you can fill out the, the, the register. Um, you can get online and look at our website. You can look at, you can talk to me, Pastor Dusty. Talk to, find out, hey, what, what ministries there are? Where can I serve? Trust me, if you want to serve, we'll plug you in. I'm not going to go, dude, I, no, we really don't need you to serve. No, I'm going to like, awesome. Plug in, be a disciple, and serve. So being a disciple, I walk with Christ, I work for Christ. Here's the third thing. Being a disciple means worshiping Christ. It means worshiping Christ. Psalm chapter 96 tells us this. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. I'm sorry, help me out here. What are we supposed to do in there? Sing. Sing. All right? Sing, man, let it out. We are to sing. Ascribe to the Lord, O families and peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Again, man, over and over, ascribe. Render onto. Give this. He says, bring an offering, come into his courts, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Now, in this verse, oh, it's all caps, darn, um, it, it took away the emphasis. In the, in, the, in the, when you read your Bible, if you were to read this, everything is in lowercase except for one word that is repeated a number of times, in fact, seven times. What do you think one word is capitalized seven times? Lord. Seven times. And so um, who is he? Who is who is the, the writer, the, the psalm telling us? Um, um, who are you to be worshipped? Who's the object here? The Lord. Okay? So guess why we worship? Because of the Lord. We're not coming here singing songs because, well, that's just what we're supposed to. No, we are showing up here to worship the Lord. Okay, It's about him. And we worship the Lord because of what he has done for us, what we have in him, who he is, his greatness, his awesomeness, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his forgiveness, all of his attributes. That's why we worship the Lord. But notice, where are we to worship the Lord at? Do you see it? His courts. Come into his courts. So guess what that means? That means, oh, I'm at home. I got to go. It, it, it means I don't just sit at home. 
and worship. How many of you know private worship's a good thing? Nothing wrong with that. But private worship cannot supersede public worship. We are to come to the courts. And guess what? Come to the courts. It says, bring an offering. Did we already do that? We brought an offering, didn't we? Why? It's an act of worship. We bring an offering. We come to his courts and we worship the Lord. That's what we do in this place. That's why coming together corporately is vital. All right? Let me, let me back up one thing. You know, I, I missed one thing in the, 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 the personal, work, the personal um, walking with Christ. It just, just hit me. Like we, we, we worship privately. We also need to worship publicly. Guess what? We, we um, walk personally, but we also have to work, walk corporately. That means you got to be part of a small group. Be part of the Sunday school class. You're doing, you're walking with other believers. We, yes, we walk by ourselves, but we're not so supposed to be by ourselves. Okay? We got to walk with other believers, walk in community. And that's why I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get into a small group. Get plugged into the Sunday school class. Do ministry. Do life together with other believers. And that's why also coming together corporately for worship. Because we're gathered with God's people and we're worshiping together. Okay? Now, this is important, I, I, especially in, in the time that we're, we're living in. You know, we're living in a very technological age where, hey, you know what? Most churches have online streaming. Um, you can go to their web website and watch, the video, watch church live. And that makes it so easy to stay home, doesn't it? With COVID, I get it. Listen, if you're sick, you got, you've got symptoms, whatever, you've tested positive, the flu, whatever. Guess where I want you? At home. Okay. But, but, and I, and, I, and I get this too, if you feel, people are saying, well, I don't want to go to church because I, I, I just, I, I'm not ready to be in a crowd. I get that. But listen to me. This is a big listen to me. If you are uncomfortable here, but if you're going to your job, if you're going to the store, if you're going to the restaurant, if you're going to your kids' school events, if you're okay to be out in public to do things, guess where you should be at on Sunday? Right here. Okay? If you have to stay home because you're sick, do that. But if you're staying home just because I just don't, because it's easy, well, COVID really gives me the excuse I just don't feel comfortable. I'm going to stay home on Sunday. But you can do everything else. You need to be here to worship. Can I tell you, churches, I've talked to just people who have talked about how when COVID hit, it was like people just stopped coming. People have stopped showing up to church. Can I tell you that churches, and I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, we are blessed because the fact that this church has not closed its doors is only by the mercy of God. Because can I tell you that there, I have talked to people who have said, um, our church had to close. Because 
I, I was talking to this one guy. The church before COVID was over 450 people. When COVID hit, the church closed. People just left. And then they ended up with like 50 people. Their staff had to leave. And then eventually the church closed. Why? Why is it that we as, as, as these disciples have made this decision? Well, because of COVID, I, I'm just, I'm just going to stop certain. Not going to church. No. Man, I, like I said, if you're sick, stay home. If you've got symptoms, if whatever, stay home. But if you can do anything and everything out in the public, you should be here for only one reason, to worship the Lord. Because that's what we do as a disciple. We worship. We work. We walk. And we witness. Now, are y'all still with me? Because I, I got to close out chapter five of, of, of James. You still good? Okay, I'm going to try to do this in about five minutes, all right? Because I know we're at 11.15, but, I, but the, I'm telling you, the end of chapter five of James, so turn there with me, actually fits in like a thread with where I'm at right now in this message. Because, like I said, we are to make disciples but we go from just making and becoming a disciple to what? Being a disciple. And being a disciple means I'm doing what the word of God says. I'm doing what, I, I, I know what the word of God says. I see what I'm supposed to do, not supposed to do. So I want to be a disciple. But let me ask you, um, how many of you know there's a lot of people who have become or say they have become and they're not being a disciple? Okay? There's a lot of people who... Um, have a profession, but no practice. There are people who are Christians who, who are in the church, serving in the church, doing what they're and then they just go sideways, fall into sin. James chapter 5, the last two verses address this. So James chapter 5, remember, Paul, or James is writing to Christians. He's writing to the church. And so he says, my brothers... If any among you, so he's talking about, he's talking to these Christians, so he says, so if there are Christians among you, he's like, look around, identify people. If anyone among you wanders from the truth, so he's talking about people who profess to be Christians, people who say they're Christians, and they wander from the truth, meaning they're no longer doing or being a disciple. They're no longer obeying the word of God. They may have a profession. They may say they're a Christian, but man, there is nothing about them right now that says they are a Christian. Paul says, or James is saying, so if, you, if there's people among you and they wander from the truth, they're not living it. They're not doing it. And how many of you know there's all kinds of people, and perhaps you even know some people who have a profession they say they're a believer, but they are not living it one iota, are they? There are people you know who, man, they've been in the church, they've served in the church, and they just went, they just went sideways. And now they are living in a sinful life. This is where James is going. And he's like, so if you see people who have wandered from the truth, 
off the path. Here's what we are to do. And someone brings him back. Someone brings him back. So guess what James says? When you start to see people, like, you know, they say they're a Christian, but yet they have no practice. This person, man, they were in the church. They were living for Christ, and now they're, they're living in sin. Man, where did that person go? They were like in church, and now they're not. He's like, here's what you're to do. Go after them. Someone say something. And you notice it doesn't say, if someone wanders from the truth, the, truth, uh, the pastor's supposed to say something. You notice it doesn't say, if someone wanders from the truth, a leader's supposed to say something. No, he says, someone. That word someone means this, anybody. Someone, anyone is to say something and bring them back. Okay? Some of you, maybe you have a family member and you were to ask them, hey, are you a Christian? And they were like, yep, but they never come to church. They don't serve Christ. They don't worship Christ. They don't witness. They do nothing of being a disciple. Guess what you are to do as a family member? Go after them. Bring them back. If they profess to be a believer, maybe they're like, well, I grew up in church, but you know what? When I turned 18, I just really had no interest. And, and you know what? Yeah, I know I'm 50, but I'm still a believer. No, you're not. Because if you were a true believer, you'd be in church. You'd be, you'd be worshiping Christ, walking with Christ, working for Christ, witnessing for Christ. You're not doing that. You haven't done, you may have said that when you were 18, but now you're 50 and No. You know my story. My dad invited me to church every week when I got back from the Navy and stuff. And for a year, I kept saying, nope, 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 don't want to go. Until I finally said, okay, dad, I'll go. And came to this church for the very first time in 1992. And here I am. It changed my life. And I just went just to get him off my back. Listen. Or maybe you know someone who is a believer in Christ. You're a friend with someone. And man, they, 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 they you know it. They've, lived in, they, they, they've served in the church. They've witnessed. They've walked. But now they're living in sin. Go after them. Well, I know, I know, I know my dad, he, he's not a believer. My mom's not a believer, but I don't want to offend them. I know my best friend, I, they were in church, they served in church, they walked with Christ, witnessed for Christ, they were, they were in ministry, and now they're living in life, but it, they're, they're living in sin, but it's not really my business. That's what we say. That's what we use. The, those are the excuses we use not to have to go. But guess what? It is our business, because as James says, he gives us two reasons why we have to do this. He says, look at it. He says, someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever, notice again, whoever, someone, whoever, man, it's just anybody. Whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. See, I believe this is referring to two, two groups of people, two groups of Christians. One is the Christian who has the profession, but no practice. This is the person says, I grew up in the church, but lost interest. And now 30 years later, they still profess to be a Christian simply because, well, I attended that church in 1932. And they still profess to be a believer. They're not. 
The reality is that person is dead in their sin. We studied this in the book of James. James says, if you see someone who says, I have faith, but no works, that faith is dead. There's nothing in them. They really don't know Christ. So maybe you know I have a friend who's like that, or a husband, or a wife, or a, a, a father, a mother, a child. They sit there and sit there and say, I grew up in the church, but they have no practice, no faith, no nothing. They are not being a disciple. I'm telling you, they are not saved. So when you go to them, and you keep going to them, and you go to them, and one day they say, okay, fine, enough, and you bring them back. You have saved their soul, literally, from being separated from God. But then there's a second group. And this is someone who is in the church, serving in the church, witnessing, walking. And man, they are on it. But for some reason, they go off and fall into sin. And now it's like they have just turned their back on the church. And now they're living this outward sin, just sinfulness. I think when he says that you can save that person from death, you see, I don't think that he's talking about a Christian can lose their, their salvation, but I do believe this is referring to premature death. It's almost like, because in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about, because the Corinthians, man, it was a messed up, and they had a lot of people sinning in that church, and he says, this is why many of you are weak and ill, and even some of you have fallen asleep. It's almost like God, he, it's like God puts up with us, puts up with us, puts up with us, and he's finally like, okay, you know what? i got to bring you home. I, you're not turning. You're not turning. You're not turning back. And premature death. It's almost like James is like, you can save someone from that. Go after them. Wake them up. Show them. Don't let them die in their sin like that. But then the second reason why we got to do this is, is this very last line. He says, you will cover a multitude of sins. The multitude of sins means when someone who professes to be a believer but is living in sin, guess what it does? It prevent, when we bring them back, it stops their influence. Okay? Because how many of you know a Christian who is living in sin hurts their family, hurts relationships, and it hurts the church? Okay, someone who can who can do, you know, cause problems and pain in the church and bring division in the church. Man, that's that's hurtful. It harms the church. And James is like, man, you got to go after that person, bring them back and stop that influence. It's like, man, you're damming up the water. You see, this is why we do this. And James is like, look, you got to be getting after someone. Someone who professes to be a believer, but they have no discipleship. They're not being a disciple. Get after them. Someone who is, professes to be a believer, has lived as a believer, been a disciple, but now living in sin, go after them. Get them to come back because you will save them. You see, this is what we are to be doing, folks. We are to be making disciples and being disciples. And so let me just finish with this. Here's how... If you want to sum it up this way, here's our mission statement as a church. If someone were to ever ask you, hey, what's Harvest Woodhall all about? And you're like, well, you know, I don't know. Um, well, we, we go to church, we read the Bible. Uh, yeah, that's what we're about. No, here's what we're about. We want to see people come to, come to know Christ and grow in Christ who will worship, walk, work, and witness for Christ. That's our mission. In a very easy nutshell. 
If you memorize that, you can have a 30-second conversation in an elevator with a friend. Hey, well, tell me what your church is about. Simple. We want to see people come to know Christ. We want to see people grow in Christ who will worship, walk, work, and witness for Christ. That's it. Come and join us. That's simple, isn't it? That's what we got to be about. Seeing people come to know Christ, become a disciple, and then see people grow in Christ. Be a disciple. And we be a disciple by worshiping, walking, working, and witnessing. Amen? Why don't we all stand? Let's get ready to close. Let me just pray for us. I pray that this message is spoken to your heart. I pray for those at home. I pray, you know, my prayer for this message has been this, because I didn't know how many people were going to show up today. I'm like, man, we could have five people there today. But here was my prayer. God, if one person gets it. You know, I'm not going to say who this lady was, but she, she called me this week and talked to me about praying for um, their, their family who needed healing. And she goes, she goes, Pastor Dusty told us in his message that he preached a couple weeks that we are to call the elders when we're sick. That's what I'm doing. And I'm like, she got it. That's what it's about. She called me and said, we're sick. Pray for us. She wasn't saying, I'm sure Pastor Jim knows. No. She's like, I'm going to call him. So I prayed. I'm like, okay, God, you know what? If one person gets this today, if one person begins to witness at work, if one person who hasn't been in ministry signs up for ministry, if one person who has never been in a small group begins to connect, maybe there's one person who comes today and is like, man, I haven't been in church, and, woo, and they start coming, and they begin to worship. That's been my prayer. That was my prayer in the office this morning. God, just even just one person, that's victory. So maybe God's been speaking to you this morning and it's my prayer that you will respond to what he's been saying to you and that we all will be those doers of the word. So Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We praise you for it. And Lord, I know this has been a long message, a hard message, but God, I pray that it stirs our hearts to action. That Lord, we would make those disciples and see people becoming disciples. But Lord, we would be those disciples. Be those people who are growing and being the disciple who worships, walks, works, and witnesses for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.